Welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. On this episode, our family pastor, J.C. Thompson, continues in our series through Galatians. If you would like to watch this video or listen to this week's worship, you can do so on our website, brookwoodchurch.org, or you can find all of that more on our Brookwood Church app. We pray that this message encourages you in your walk with Christ. to despair and tells me of the guilt within upward I look and see him there who made an end of all my sin because a sinless savior died my sinful soul is counted free for God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me thank you this morning you know I get to I get to hear uh, all these wonderful voices on the microphone, but it's a special treat when I get to hear your voices as I'm prepping to come out here, so thank you for that. Um, we are continuing in our series today that's entitled Living Free, and we are moving into a new chapter in the letter of Galatians, which this study is about. Uh, last week and, and kind of the first two weeks through chapter one, we've talked about Paul and the source of the gospel, that, that God himself gave the gospel to Paul. And we talked uh, last week about his story, about the story of Paul and, and what that meant as he changed from someone hunting Christians down to someone now preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this week, we, we don't just talk about the source, where the, the story came from, where this good news came from, but now we start to talk about what it actually is. In chapter 2, Paul is about to enter into a conflict as he continues to write this letter to the Galatians. He's trying to give the story of why he's so passionate about you understanding what the gospel is. And we begin to see a little bit more of the story of of what's happened here. And for me, at least, as I think through this, you know, it's really easy to look at a, a, a letter from thousands of years ago and think to yourself, like, what application does this have to me? Specifically, when we talk about something like circumcision, you know, it's very easy for us to go, like, this is, this is a non-issue for us in this culture. Like, this is not a big deal. But the, the issue is, is, what truly makes you right with God? And it's the reason why Paul was so adamant about contending against things that were untrue. Because what was being said was that in order to be saved, in order to be right with God, you had to be circumcised. And a Gentile who had no Jewish background would would come to know Christ, would be filled with the Holy Spirit, and then those who were opposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ would lay on them this burden of circumcision, that this is what it takes in addition to Jesus Christ in order to be saved. And it's false, and it's wrong, And it's worth us being equipped to defend what the gospel truly is. Because there are people that need the good news that they are separated from God, but because of Jesus Christ, they can be made right with God. And so we need to be equipped. We need to be 
uh, understanding of what the gospel message truly is. And there's a temptation in all of us. Every one of us, we're human beings. There's a temptation to idolatry. There's a temptation to legalism. Because we look at ourselves and we want what we do to have more value than what it truly has. So we look at the things, you know, if I'm a good dad, if I'm a good husband, if I read my Bible the right way, if I spend enough time in prayer, if I eat or don't eat certain things, then I will be good with God. But the only way we're good with God is because of Jesus. And it's why Paul was so passionate about us understanding everything else in addition to Christ is wrong. Christ alone is all we need for salvation. And it should fill us with love and appreciation for the sacrifice of Jesus. So we've got to seek to preserve the gospel, and that's why today the title of this message is Preserving Truth. We've got to learn to preserve the truth of the gospel, especially in a day where literally anybody can say anything they want to on the internet, and it will become viral, and people will just suck it all up. We've got to know what the gospel truly is, and we have to communicate that gospel to others. So, in order to preserve the truth, it it involves this. It involves stepping into conflict. It involves stepping into conflict. Galatians 2, verses 1 and 2. Then 14 years later, I went back to Jerusalem again, this time with Barnabas, and Titus came along too. I went there because God revealed to me that I should go. Don't miss that. I went there because what? Because God told me to. While I was there, I met privately with those considered to be leaders of the church and shared with them the message I had been preaching to the Gentiles. I wanted to make sure that we were in agreement for fear that all my efforts had been wasted and I was running the race for nothing. Paul stopped his mission to go and meet with these leaders privately. Paul stopped preaching the gospel to Gentiles to go and deal with this controversy. Now, just to be clear, Paul says here the reason why he did that. Why did he do that? Because God told him to go. God revealed for him to go. And so he stopped his work to do what God had told him to do. And I I think it's crucial for us to understand this because it's very easy for us in the middle of our life to just go, man, I just got to keep chugging along. I got to keep going. I I just got to do this thing. And if we're not careful, we become so busy and we become so... Uh, preoccupied that we will miss God speaking directly to us to be involved with something. And Paul was busy. He'd get up, he'd preach the gospel, he'd go to new people, he'd introduce himself to strangers, he'd share the message of his story, he'd share the message of Jesus Christ with people. And it wasn't like he was just sitting around. He was not living the monastic lifestyle in isolation by himself. Every day, moving, every day, preaching, every day, teaching, every day, supporting the churches that were being started. And he stopped. Why? Because God told him to go to Jerusalem. Now, here's the deal. This is, this is, a, this is a controversy that's happening. This is, this is a big deal. J.C., 
Like some of you even heard the word conflict. You struggled to write stepping into conflict on your program. You were like, what in the world? Stepping into conflict. We're supposed to be Christians. Aren't we supposed to overlook offenses? Yes, we are. In fact, the Bible says lots of times throughout Scripture how we're supposed to overlook an offense. We're supposed to look at something that someone has done to hurt us, and we are to forgive it. We are to cover it. Why? Because it's the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ to offer people forgiveness. And that is one role as a follower of Christ when it comes to things that are hurtful, things that are conflicts. It's our role to overlook. But that's not all that the Bible says about conflict. The Bible also says that we're supposed to confront. We're supposed to rebuke. We're supposed to stand in the gap for those who've been hurt and say to someone, hey, that's sinful and it dishonors the name of God. Now, I don't want you to miss this because those are the two things that we are called to do as followers of Christ when it comes to hurt and conflict around us in our sphere of influence. One thing we are not called to do in any shape or form anywhere in Scripture is to do nothing. I'm going to say that again. When it comes to conflict, when it comes to difficulties, when it comes to hurt, when it comes to things that we look at and go, that is wrong. The only thing that Scripture makes sure that we are not supposed to do is nothing. We must do something when there is wrong, especially when it comes to the church. Because the church is the witness of God to the world. We are the hands and feet of Jesus to this place. And if the hands and feet are causing harm, we got to fix that. We got to fix it. And so, God called Paul to move into this area to do this, and I, I just got to make sure you understand this, okay? We have got to step into conflict. People see conflict as this huge, negative, big deal, can't ever do that. It's only hurtful thing. But conflict's an opportunity. In fact, Scripture talks about rebuke as a ministry, meaning that when I rebuke someone and point out someone's sin, and I let them know, hey, this this is wrong. What you're doing is sinful. It dishonors. It can hurt someone. It can hurt you. When we do that, that's a ministry to that person. Now, we can do that violently. We can do that aggressively. We can do that in ways that do not make it a ministry. But the ministry of rebuke is something that Scripture calls us to as followers of Christ. And so is the ministry of overlooking, covering a sin. We have to exercise discernment. We have to exercise discretion and wisdom as we enter into these places. And Paul was moving into this place. What exactly is the controversy, J.C., that he's stepping into? Well, it's just this, and it's what the whole letter of Galatians is about, that the, the idea of the gospel that Jesus Christ alone, his sacrifice, makes us right with God, and we need nothing else to be added unto Jesus, that is what was up for debate. 
And there were folks who were trying to discredit Paul, as we saw in chapter 1, that he just learned this from the apostles. And he's the last apostle. He didn't ever really see Jesus. He didn't really spend three years with Jesus. Those other apostles, they're the ones that spent all the time with Jesus. Paul's kind of like a, he, he's just like a, a secondary. He's like a, a, a not the same. He's, he's less than because of that. And Paul discredits that. But in addition to that, they looked at these other apostles and they go, we got to listen to what they say. They know all this stuff. They know what's going on. And so Paul decided by the revelation of God to move to this place to go meet with the leaders of the church, to go find the apostles and go, here's what I'm preaching. This is what the Holy Spirit's been doing in my life and in my ministry. This is what he's doing with the Gentiles. He's giving them the Holy Spirit. And so that's what... Paul does. He, he gets to this place where he is stepping in to this conflict. He's stepping in. Now, he doesn't do that alone. He, he brings two people with him. He, he, he brings Barnabas, who had been on uh, a missionary journey with Paul, and he also brings Titus, a, a younger Gentile who was uncircumcised. It's important for us to understand Paul didn't just come by himself. He came with other people, and he came with the people that he brought. They were very strategic. Strategic because Barnabas could reiterate, he could confirm the stories of the Holy Spirit entering into the lives of Gentiles. And he brought along Titus because Titus was a Gentile who was uncircumcised, but had been filled with the Holy Spirit, and God was not only changing him, but using him to reach out to other Gentiles. So he brought these two men with him to meet with the apostles and to share the message of the gospel with them. You know, for you, it, it, is this something that makes you uncomfortable to think about conflict? Let's be honest. Who in here is uncomfortable when it comes to conflict? Like, you would rather do nothing. Like, absolutely. Like, when it comes to conflict, you would rather avoid it, pretend it never exists. Come on, be honest. Be honest. Your spouse is next to you, like, nudging you a little bit, okay? Okay? Now, how many of you are the opposite? Like, when there's no conflict, you need to, like, start some, maybe. You need to just you know, kick some dirt on somebody's shoes and say, what, what about it, right? <laughs> Listen, neither one of those are the right response, you know, neither one. It, it's being, it's, it's understanding that conflict's an opportunity to grow in the grace of God and then stepping into it when it's right, when it's, when it's the right time and you trust the Holy Spirit, you make sure that you're asking the Holy Spirit if you're supposed to be involved. Some of y'all think trusting the Holy Spirit just means like, la, 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 I'm trusting the Holy Spirit. La, la, la. <laughs> no, that's not it. You, you pray, you ask, God, is it, what, what do you want me to do here? We believe that he's faithful to tell us. Is there some conflict that's going on in and around you that you need to be involved in? Is there a person that you need to offer the ministry of rebuke to and help them see their ways? Now, I want to be clear here in saying this too. Rebuke is for followers of Christ. It's real easy for us to spend so much time looking at the the quote-unquote world, everybody else, and say, oh, they're evil. I mean, every, oh, evil. The world's going to... I mean, it's just crazy town, all that's going on. They don't have the Holy Spirit indwelling them. Why is there this expectation that they're going to honor God with their life when there is no realm, peace, portion of spiritual life? 
And yet we look at those in church, and we, we will offer grace to no end to those who profess the name of Jesus Christ, even though they may be living a lifestyle of complete rebellion to God. Rebuke is the ministry of the church to the church. Don't forget that. Is God calling you to step into a conflict? Number two, preserving the truth also involves securing the truth. Securing the truth. Verse three, and they supported me and did not even demand that my companion Titus be circumcised, though he was a Gentile. Even that question came up only because of some so-called Christians there, false ones really, who were secretly brought in. They sneaked in to spy on us and take away the freedom we have in Christ Jesus. They wanted to enslave us and force us to follow their Jewish regulations, but we refused to give in to them for a single moment. We wanted to preserve the truth of the gospel message for you. Now, this is, this is crazy. Just, just to make sure you heard the words that, you know, the Bible has for us. Like, there's spies there's people who secretly got into these private meetings. I mean, this is, this. forget your melodramas that you're watching on Netflix. Like, this is nuts. Like, people are coming in to, like, we, we kind of see the church as like, we just kind of sit around and talk about the Bible. Like, no, this is like, they're sending spies to figure out what's going on and try and move this meeting in another direction. They're trying to influence the very gospel message that we're hearing about today. This is a huge conflict. This is not just some small closed-door meeting. All these leaders, and, and they're sending people in to spy out and in hopes to enslave people. You understand what that looks like? I mean, that's just a crazy situation. And I'm sure Paul knew what he was getting into, but I'm thinking to myself, like, God, you told me to come here, and now there's spies. Like, there, I mean, what, in, what is going on here? I just want to talk to these guys about the gospel and, and share what's going on with my ministry. But I think Paul knew. I think he knew and had an understanding of what he was there for. Why, why was this such a huge deal? Well, it, it's a huge deal because it affects us today. The very message that we preach today, this, this meeting is about what makes us right with God and and Paul brought Titus. We talked about this. He was an uncircumcised Gentile, and he, he needed to bring somebody with some skin in the game in order to be an example of those who needed to hear the gospel, and the Holy Spirit was moving in their life and being changed, okay? He needed somebody like that, and Titus was that person. And so he, he did that, and when they got to this place, this is a, an issue where there are a ton of people here completely opposed to the message of the gospel, they're trying to enslave people to the Jewish way of life instead of being free to follow Christ. The very freedom that we live with is the subject of this controversy. I mean, could you imagine if Paul would have yielded, if Paul would have kept quiet, if he wouldn't have done anything? Now, it's hard to imagine that because we know Paul, but just imagine for a second that while this meeting's going on about Gentiles uh, hearing the gospel, receiving the gospel, and then having to be circumcised in order to be a true follower of Christ. Imagine what our lives would look like today. Imagine the dietary laws, imagine the feasts and festivals, imagine the special days, like imagine all of these things that now are placed on you as a burden. You didn't grow up Jewish, but now you've got to do all of those things. Those shrimp that you love, those are out, okay? The clothes that you like to wear, those are probably gone. 
The days of the week and the weekend that you've planned, it looks very different. But Paul didn't yield. He stepped up and he spoke and he shared and he let people know that the Holy Spirit was moving in Titus and Titus isn't circumcised. So explain why the Holy Spirit would completely change this man if circumcision is necessary for salvation. And you see this as, as something that Paul talks about everywhere. It's, it's, it's a huge deal to him. In Romans chapter 4, you can see that this is such a this is such a big controversy, and he's sharing that this, this, the law, this, this idea of the law is, is good. He never condemns the law. He, he never speaks negatively of the law, but he makes sure that it remains in its proper place. Romans chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Now, is this blessing only for the Jews, or is it also for uncircumcised Gentiles? Well, we've been saying that Abraham was counted as righteous by God because of his faith, and they were saying that because that's what Scripture says. Scripture says that Abraham was counted right because of his faith, and what they're saying is, is well, did that happen before? Did that happen before? Was he counted right before, or was he counted right after? Was he counted right after he followed all these things and, and did all these uh, pieces of the law? Clearly, God accepted Abraham before he was circumcised. Abraham was made right with God before he was circumcised. All of these Jewish laws, all of the Mosaic code specifically for things like their calendar, their clothing, their diet, things meant to set them apart as a group of people ethnically were not to be placed as a burden upon Gentiles professing faith in Christ. And this is still a big deal. I mean, I mean there's a lot of controversy around where, where's the law fit in, and this is not a, 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 an issue that we would go, you know what, this, nobody's talking about this. People are still having discussions about this today. Some people would even say that because the Sabbath is mentioned in the Ten Commandments that maybe it should be given a greater weight as far as the laws go because it's in the Ten Commandments. And in the Ten Commandments, like, we, you know, what does that look like? What we see in Scripture that this is talked about in many different ways, that Basically, the conclusion that Paul comes to is this, that if, if the Sabbath helps you as a follower of Christ love God and love people more, practice it. But it's not a requirement for salvation. It's not a requirement to be good with God. It's not a requirement to progress in your faith. It's not that super-Christians practice the Sabbath and not super-Christians don't, is this practice growing me in my love of God and others? And if not, you got to find another practice. And we've got to find practices that draw us close to God. And we believe that there are many of those practices. We believe that Scripture, prayer, attending church, listening to the preached Word— singing out loud for lots of people to hear you as you are proclaiming the message of the gospel. Those are ways that you can draw closer to God, grow in your love for God and others. But the question is, are you growing in your love for God and others? Is your affection 
growing. And I, I need to talk about this because it's this such a huge deal, but like you, you, sometimes it may feel like in some of these things, like you're getting in the weeds of like nuanced belief and, and big deal things. And, and sometimes we just want to put our, you know, our hands over our eyes and go, JC, don't tell me about theology. I just want to love Jesus and pray and read my Bible and be good. Like I, I don't want to know about theology. But, and here's the deal. I, there's a part of that that I go, I understand that. I understand you wanting the experience, you wanting to connect with Christ and, and hear him speak to you. But the, the issue is, is that like, you can also be confused when you experience something with God. Well, JC, what are you talking about? Well, here's the deal. Okay, we're reading the scriptures today. We hear about a revelation that God gave to Paul to go to a place, to stop what he was doing to go to a place. Some of you have experienced that, and you resonate with that, and you're going, thank you, God, for putting this in the Bible so that I know I'm not a crazy person for you telling me to go to somewhere. That's my story. That's JC's story. That's why I am here in South Carolina. I believe God told me to come here. Before a job, that, that was it. I just came. I quit a job to come here. It was, it was crazy. I had all kinds of people tell me crazy. And I remember this story going, well, this has at least happened one time before. <laughs> See, theology, C.S. Lewis describes theology like a map. He talks about it that a map is great. A map is wonderful. A map is not an experience. And we long for the experience of spiritual union with Christ. And it is a union. It is true. You do experience it. But we need the map. Why? Because if not, we'll end up lost and confused. You know, I've got this app. There's this app that tells you all about restaurants. And so when we go to a new place, I love to pull up this app and see what everybody's saying. But can I tell you something? Sometimes you get to a place and you look at it and you go, oh my goodness, what have we done? What, what in the world? This is this is going to be bad, okay? But then you step in and you have the most delicious sandwich you've ever had in your whole life. The map is great, but the map with no experience is awful. I mean, could you imagine going on a road trip and go, guys, we're going to see this beautiful sight. We've arrived at our destination all right, time to go home. Like, no, we don't do that. We, we trust the experience of those who've gone before us, and we go, okay, I'm, I'm trusting. I'm, I'm reading. I'm, I'm listening to the community around me. I'm, I'm hearing all these things, and then we experience it personally. The theology, the belief is supposed to be teamed with the experience, and in our day, in our day, that's not happening every day, but in our day, we want to throw the knowledge away at the door. Just give me the experience. But the problem is, and most of you can attest to this, sometimes this experience doesn't come through wonderful practice. It comes through a circumstance of life that we could not have anticipated. And it grows us and it changes us. And so you've got to have your map, but then make sure that you experience what the map is talking about. You've got to have both. Paul here is so, 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 so so proactive at making sure you understand Christ alone is what makes us free and right with God. Everything else is but a shadow. Do you believe the gospel to be true? Do you believe that God looks at you if you have embraced Christ, if you have 
given your life to Christ, do you believe that God looks at you as good, as saint, as son or daughter in whom he loves? That's the gospel message, that you are good because of Jesus, that you are free because of Jesus. And Paul took these men with him to show the Holy Spirit is moving. Even though there were spies, even though there are these people who were saying, these, these guys, they're who you need to listen to. Paul made sure that he secured the truth of the gospel, that justification is by Christ alone. Just for a second, I just want you to thank God for giving Paul the revelation to go and meet with these people. Sometimes we disconnect ourselves from, this is our family, this is our story. Thank you, God, for taking care of us so that we can not be confused, that we can know and trust that all we have to do is trust Jesus. Thank you, God. Not only must we secure the truth, but we also must strive for unity. We must strive for unity. Now, if you, don't, if you, if you weren't here last week or maybe you forgot, um, Paul last week was basically like, hey, these apostles, these are just men. Like, I, I didn't learn anything from them at all. I didn't learn anything from them. And so what you may read here in a second, you may go like, JC, this seems opposite, okay? But I just want to just put this out there. This may seem opposite to you when you're about to read it. I don't want you to be confused by that, okay? So check this out, verse 6, Galatians chapter 2. Just says this, and the leaders of the church had nothing to add to what I was preaching. In other words, we met, we talked, they didn't add anything to what I was saying. By the way, I love this. I don't think they used parentheses in Greek. <laughs> but I love that this is written this way. By the way, their reputation as great leaders made no difference to me, for God has no favorites. Instead, they saw that God had given me the responsibility of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, just as he had given Peter the responsibility of preaching to the Jews. For the same God, for the same God who worked through Peter as the apostle to the Jews, also worked through me as the apostle to the Gentiles. In fact, James, Peter, and John, who were known as the pillars of the church, recognized the gift God had given me, and they accepted Barnabas and me as their co-workers." They encouraged us to keep preaching to the Gentiles while they continued their work with the Jews. Now, this is such a crucial understanding because here's what's happened. Okay, if you remember in chapter 1, they're saying, hey, Paul, 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 Paul's nothing because he just learned this from the apostles. No, 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 we need to listen to what the apostles are saying. We need to listen to what they're teaching. We need to listen to their gospel. And here's the deal. The, the apostles weren't preaching that you need to be circumcised, okay? They weren't preaching that at all in any way, shape, or form, Okay? So what was that happening? Well, that just meant that they were using the fact that they were ministering to Jews against them. That's what they were doing. That's what these spies were doing. That's what these false leaders were doing. They were using the fact that they were loving on Jews against them. And it's easier to say something when you're a few hundred miles away. There wasn't like social media, like, blah, 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 blah. Here, here's what's, oh, they said, what? Like, a news spread, this meeting's happening, they're talking through it, and then here's what happened. I love this because their, their argument got flipped upside down because they were saying to Paul, hey, Paul, like, you can't listen to Paul. He's, he's just not the same. Like These guys are the ones you need to listen to. 
then Paul went and met with them, and they agreed with Paul. They didn't agree with these spies. They didn't agree with these false leaders. They agreed with Paul. And the argument against Paul's reputation because of this meeting, his legs got cut out from under it. Suddenly, and not suddenly, but suddenly in the case of this meeting and circumstance, Peter, James, and John agreed with Paul, and they didn't add anything to Paul's gospel message, which meant the same Holy Spirit that indwelled Paul that he was preaching is the same Holy Spirit that indwelled Peter, James, and John. And even though they had spent three years with Jesus in the flesh, Paul's sharing the same message with no training from them. That's a testimony to God. That's a testimony to God's Spirit. And it kind of makes the argument that these false leaders had against Paul's reputation be gone. Because even if you don't trust Paul, they've been building up these other apostles. They've been building up these pillars of the church, as they're called. And Paul's saying, they're not pillars because of, of, of God. That God treats them this way. He, he has made them apostles, but to God, all of us, all of us, their role may be apostle, but their heart, their identity before God is the same as ours. All of us are even at the feet of Jesus. All of us are even at the feet of Jesus. And this very message that Paul here is stepping into to preserve for us today is crucial because it's the message that we share, that no matter your background, no matter what language you speak, no matter your income level, no matter your education, no matter the color of your skin, no matter anything that you would say separates you from another human being, the gospel is made available to you. It's made available to everyone. You know, I've grown up in church. I'm, I mean, like, grown up. Like, I remember doing a matchstick cross at VBS when I was, like, four years old. Which, by the way, we don't do that stuff now because that seems dangerous. Matchsticks. I don't know about you, but I'm thinking back to myself, like... <laughs> This is why I love things that are on fire. Um, <laughs> thank you, VBS. Uh, <laughs> but I, I remember that, you know, and I remember growing up in the church. You know, it's very easy for you to hear the message of the gospel and the content of the gospel become numb to you. The God of this universe who is holy and other than any human being here looks at us with grace, looks at me with grace. This unity is so crucial for us. In fact, it's something that Paul, he talks about so many times. In fact, this is David Hardy's favorite verse. I, 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 like, I can't even read this verse without David Hardy's face popping up in my mind at our employee meetings, in pastor's meetings, everywhere. It's in Philippians 2, 1, but 2 is his favorite. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? 
just real quick, just in case Paul was writing this as an answer, more than likely this is a rhetorical question, but I would like you to answer some of these questions that he has at the beginning. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from His love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Some of you are like, ooh. (laughs) Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Why do we do that? Why do we work together? Why do we agree with each other wholeheartedly? Why do we have one mind and purpose? Because the gospel is true, and it changes us, and it provides peace and comfort to us, and it should cause us to have hearts bent towards others. And when we're affected by the gospel of Jesus Christ, we should look at others and count them as higher than ourselves, meaning I can lay my desires down for the purpose of someone else growing closer to Christ. Unity means the body of Christ benefit is more important than my benefit. Unity, the body of Christ benefit is more important than my benefit. We need some more of that today. Ephesians 2, 19. For, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You're citizens along with all of God's holy people, meaning this, that even the Gentiles, even us who are not Jewish, are a part of God's family. You are members of God's family. Together we are His house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus Himself. We are carefully joined together in Him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through Him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by His Spirit. All who profess Christ are a part of the body of Christ. Now, it's important for us to understand that while unity is incredibly important, we're not called to make unity. We're not called to do it. We're not called to produce it. Scripture never says it's your job to make unity. It only says we're to maintain unity. Maintain it. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is inside of us. The Holy Spirit makes us unified. The Holy Spirit puts a new set of priorities in our life. It's why we remind you as much as we can, is the Holy Spirit evident in your life? If you're having trouble getting unified with somebody else who's got the Holy Spirit in their life, you need to look at yourself and go, Holy Spirit, are you indwelling me? Am I born again? Am I changed? Am I different? Because the values of the kingdom of God have to be above ours because of the reality of the Holy Spirit and His impact. Not only should we strive for unity, but we should also sense God's direction. Sense God's direction. Now, I love this because the meeting's over. They've agreed. Now what? And they kind of give Paul one kind of 
last piece here, one last piece to kind of wrap himself around to begin to put his thoughts on, and it's in verse 10, and it just says this, their only suggestion was that we keep on helping the poor, which I have always been eager to do. So they recommended to Paul, these brothers recommended to Paul to remember the poor. Now, this is a, a, a big thing here because it's, it's not just that Paul is supposed to give to the poor, and I'll help you understand why this is such a, a crucial reminder for Paul, and you see it throughout the rest of his works. He talked about this ad nauseum, it feels like, of giving, um, giving to the poor. But uh, as, a, as a follower of Christ, am I listening to what God's calling me to do? Paul is on a mission, and then it was about this meeting, okay? And then the meeting was done. They concluded, it's over, they've gained agreement. It would have been real easy for Paul to go, cool, thanks for that right hand of fellowship, I'm out of here, got more work to do, okay? But he stuck around to listen to what was going on in Jerusalem. That's not where Paul was doing ministry at. As a follower of Christ, we, 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 we take this for granted, but... Listening is not just a good idea. It's not just practical wisdom. It's actually a characteristic of God. In fact, you see throughout Scripture that God the Father speaks to the Holy Spirit and speaks to God the Son, and they listen to God the Father. And God the Father and God the Holy Spirit listen to Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit listens to God the Father and God the Son. You see it through all through Scripture. You see it mentioned numerous times that there is this relationship where one member of the Trinity is speaking to another member of the Trinity, and they are listening to one another. They are communicating. So when we listen, we're actually being like God for someone else. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who wrote an incredible book called Life Together that's all about discipleship in community, says this, Christians have forgotten that the ministry of listening has been committed to them by him who is himself the great listener and whose work they should share. Romans 12, 15, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all, which I love that add-on. Don't think you know it all. Paul listened to what was happening with them. He didn't just come to share a story. He didn't just come to share the fruit of his ministry. He didn't just come to do his deal. He came to hear what God was doing there. And they said, remember the poor. And they weren't just talking about the poor in general, universal poor. They're also talking about the poor in Jerusalem, which meant that they asked Paul to ask the Gentiles who were being born again by the Holy Spirit to then give their money to the poor Jews in Jerusalem. They were asking Paul to preach to the Gentiles and remind them to support their brothers who are from a completely different ethnicity in a different region because they were poor, but they were members of the body of Christ. This isn't just give to the poor. This is, hey, ask the Gentiles who are being born again by the Holy Spirit to cross a cultural barrier and give their income to someone who is 
poor. And we still have this, this piece here that when we look at someone who's poor, we automatically judge them. It's unfortunate. And Paul's clear in other pieces of Scripture, this isn't poor by laziness. They're helpless, they're needy, and sometimes there's a famine that happens and they can't afford food. And our job as the body of Christ is to help support. And here's the deal, I, I want to be clear with you in saying, you don't know if someone's been lazy or not most of the time. We don't know. How would we know? Well, his shirt doesn't look that dirty. I mean, come on, come on. We got to listen. We got to hear. We got to know what's going on. When somebody else who comes from another place, we go, what's God doing in your world? What's God doing over there? What's, what's he being involved in? What's your church about over there? Because we are a member of a bigger church than just this one. And God is moving all around. So I'm going to ask you, ask God where you should be giving to right now. We're about to close out. JC, you're doing this at the end. Give me a break. You're right. You're right. Where should you be given to? I'm thankful to be a part of a church who doesn't just look locally and doesn't just look globally, but also is listening for where God may be moving around us. I'm thankful for that. What's God telling you to do? Some of you in here, you may hear today, you, you may have come in and, and thought to yourself, you know what? what, what's the gospel you hear? You know, you hear... Uh, everybody talk about who Jesus is. Jesus is God who came to earth for you because of your sin. He sacrificed his life for you. If you'd like to know more about who he is, then I'll encourage you as the counselors come down front, as our care volunteers come down front, to step up and talk with them, to, to share with them your story and ask questions about who Jesus is. Let's pray. God, we love you. Thank you for Paul and his bravery. Thank you that he stepped into this conflict, that we, we who are Gentiles, experience the gospel. I'm thankful for his example. I'm thankful for his courage. God, give us the courage to step into these conflicts. Give us the courage and the wisdom to do it in a way that honors you. I pray, God, that you'd be glorified and honored by us this week. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray these things. Amen. Here at Brookwood Church, our desire is to assist you in pursuing a relationship with Jesus so that you can experience transformed life. One of the ways that you can do that is by getting connected here at Brookwood. If you would like to know more about the many ways that you can connect with Christians at Brookwood, or if you just have questions about who we are, you can email us at connections at brookwoodchurch.org or call us at 864-688-8326. You can also find our message archives on our website or on our Brookwood app. Thank you so much for listening and have a blessed day.